Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Keys went at man. He's going to give him out and then he's rubbed his nose. What about to McCullum? Shane? You might be trying to shake the sweet one after that first one. You might try and slide one in there. Fast. Yeah. Well, you yeah, call it. Let's run out. Let's come on, Sam. Yeah. Let's head on no, to the stage. You'll never see that again. Yeah, you think you've seen it all, don't you? Hello and welcome to the SC Playbook Podcast, Episode 3 of the Big Bash Preseason. Proudly brought to you, as always, by our long-term sponsors, Pat and George from Mortgage Choice SCW. I'm your host, Tim Williams. Uh, guys, girls out there, it's good times at the moment. It's good times. The Aussies at the World Cup champions for, what is it, the sixth time? Something unbelievable. Uh, the Big Bash is two weeks away. Life's good. We're coming into the Chrissy holidays, silly season. I've got nothing to be upset about. Uh, my first guest today... Could Deadset be the sharpest cricket brain to ever not win Supercoach? Former Sydney Sixers media manager, Cricket Australia commentator, and just an all-round good bloke, Maxie Bryden. Maxie. G'day, Tim. Jeez, man, I, that kind of speech, I should have got you to be best man at my wedding. That's, um, that's, that's a really sweet intro, man. But yeah, mate, you couldn't have said it better. It's been an amazing week in cricket. I stayed up till 4am the other night watching the World Cup final, um, and it's really got me in the mood to uh, do the same thing in Supercoach. I want to go all the way. Mate, this could be the year. Uh, to do it, though, you've got a, our next guest in particular that, that's going to take a bit of work to overcome. He is the first ever back-to-back Supercoach champion. In the same year that he won his double, he was an IPL, Indian Premier League fantasy champion, just for shits and gigs. Uh, on top of that, got a hell of a beard, Andrew Langley. Andrew, how are you, mate? I'm all right, Tim. I'm probably like everyone else in the country. I've been working all week and I'm struggling from the four o'clock stay up on Sunday night. And mm. <laughs> I've got the toothpicks in the eyes trying, trying to get through the day at the moment. Yeah, I'm still recovering from the Ashes series in bloody July, August, let alone the weekend. So it's been a long, a long year for cricket fans. Uh, as for, for my super coach credentials, I'm not just here to host this podcast. 271st last year, 43rd the year prior. It's, I mean, I really should have introduced that before I introduced Andrew because everything just pales in comparison to this man and what he's done. So uh, next time I do that, I'll be doing it prior to introducing Andrew because now I just feel stupid. Uh, but boys, anyway, on today's show, let's get stuck into it. We're going to be talking about player availability. The PM's 11 teams dropped today. Big, big impact on that, particularly the Brisbane Heat on their trip with a few blokes named in that side. We'll touch on the... The players that are and aren't in, particularly the early stages of the Big Bash tournament that are available for our Supercoach sides, the Renegades and Hurricanes are next up in our squad previews. We'll look at the guns, the pods, the avoids, the cheapies, all the good stuff in those sides. Uh, and also, Maxi, continuing on from his expert Q&A, his quickfire Q&A, he started with the Spy last week. He'll be dropping that with Andrew this week. If you want to go back and listen to our first two episodes from the preseason, episode one was a big Q&A I did with Andrew about how he's won the last two titles. Last week, Maxi and the Spy, they covered the Sixers, the Scorchers, the fixture analysis for all the clubs, a bunch of good stuff in that. Guys, the SC Playbook Unlimited group is live. So if you rate yourself, you think you can beat our team, come take us on by joining our Unlimited group. The prize this year, 500 bucks in cold, hard cash. To the top-ranked subscriber that knocks us all off. As we always do, if a non-subscriber wins our group, $250 will go to them and $250 to the top-ranked subscriber to knock us off. 
Uh, plus, on top of that, we'll throw in a BBL jersey of the winner's choice. The code for that group is 863614, uh, and that is a group, not a league, when you join it. So don't message me and say that you can't work it out. It is a group. Uh, and lucky last, guys, just to ensure we weren't spamming any of the footy fans who don't like their cricket, we did separate yesterday social media handles late last season. So do us a favour. If you enjoy this podcast, jump in onto Instagram, I should say, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and TikTok. Follow SC Playbook Cricket. Now, let's get stuck into the player availability. Now, I didn't – we won't go too in-depth on this, and there'll be a few super coaches out there who – um, and massive nerds like we are, they know what's going on, but there's also a lot of first-time super coaches and second-time who, you know, they don't have the, the massive time to look into their big bash and they aren't aware of the players that do come and go very quickly and it can be a little bit hard to, take, to get on top of. So I just want to touch on the start of the season. There's a, an article on the SC Playbook website that outlines every series that coincides or, sorry, goes on at the same time as the Big Bash, where players will come and go, the players impacted around the world. Uh, the first one, though, at the start of it is the England versus West Indies. There's an ODI and a T20 series. Players impacted in that one, Harry Brook, Zach Crawley, and Renan Ahmed. So don't be starting with those guys in your round one side. Maxi, the second one is that Prime Minister 11 fixture against Pakistan, December 6-9. to 9. You can rule most of these guys out for the first, pretty much the first round. They might get the second game of round one if they're on a double. Uh, talk to us about the PM's 11 team that dropped today. Yeah, we, we got a whisper through yesterday that there was going to be some pretty big super coach impacts, um, but I don't think we really anticipated just how many they would be. Uh, and I know that uh, our other guest for today, Andrew, you said you had three players in your team as well um, prior to this squad being announced, but um, I'll read them out from start to finish. So Nathan McSweeney, he'll captain the squad and he'll be playing for the Brisbane Heat. Cameron Bancroft from the Sydney Thunder. Cameron Green, without a club at the moment, would expect him to be with the Perth Scorchers at some point either this season or again next season. Marcus Harris without a BBL club. McAndrew from the Sydney Thunder. Todd Murphy from the Sydney Sixers. The big one, Michael Nisa, very popular VC or skipper option for that round one triple for the Brisbane Heat. He's been cruelly, cruelly put into the Prime Minister's eleven. I know he'd much rather be scoring super coach points for the fake Maxis this year. Uh, Jimmy Pearson as well. He won't be taking the gloves for the Heat. Matt Renshaw, Mark Steckity, and another big one, uh, Bo Webster from the Melbourne Stars. So Steckity was really looking forward to, uh, I, I guess, being a bit of a point of difference player at the Melbourne Stars this year. Brand new club, death bowling. He was going to be good, but he's gone too. So the impacts are, are massive for this. I guess the good thing is, is that round one this year, it is quite long. It goes from the 7th of December right through to the 12th. This game goes from, I think, the 6th until the 9th. So um, some players will not be impacted. I think that Nathan McAndrew potentially might be one, given the Sydney Thunder play late. Yeah. But, geez, it's it's pretty much been carnage today for a lot of coaches trying to build their squads. Yeah, the selectors of this one, Cricket Australia, uh, the PM's 11, obviously, Albo, they've gone and picked this up. They've just gone straight to uh, they've gone to the team reveal of Andrew Langley. And want anyone that's available, they're playing for the PM's 11 because this bloke knows his shit. Um, Andrew, you did mention prior to the show that you had to make a few changes to your team. What were the big ones here that impacted you? Um, so I had McSweeney, um, Webster and Steckity in my team. Yeah, right. So, so not anymore. <laughs> huge, huge impact. And we'll get to our Brisbane Heat preview probably next week, I dare say. So I'm feeling maybe a little a cheap little double episode next week to get uh, get through the last four teams before we get into all our team reveals uh, and get through before round one of Big Bash. But big impact on the Brisbane Heat. You know, who does and doesn't get that triple game round in? Uh, just those few question marks around them. Uh, the Abu Dhabi T10 tournament, November 28 to December 9. Players impacted by this one. Dan Sams, Quinton DeCock, James Vince, Joe Clark, Alex Hales, Rian and Ahmed, Zaman Khan, Osama Mur, Colin Munro. Now, the note on this one is that the majority of these players should be good to go for round one if their respective sides in that competition go deep in that tournament and play, say, the final or even like a semi-final. It could put them in doubt for round one. Uh, the beauty of all this is, and uh, the last one there, South, South Africa versus India T20 series, if Quinton de Kock plays for South Africa in this series from December 10 to 14, he'd be unavailable for the Renegades for that first round double. The beauty of all this, as I mentioned, is that we will know before round one kicks off whether these players are on deck or not. Uh, but guys, it is important to follow throughout the tournament. So jump in, check out these the players and make sure you don't have any of them in your team. Now, 
let's move on and get stuck into our first team preview of the day, and that is the Melbourne Renegades. And holy moly, boys, they are loaded. I did their their squad preview today, and you could make a case for everyone in that team just about. Uh, a few key points to touch on before I shut up and let the, the experts take over here. Their draw. They've got the double in round one and round three. They have no buy until round seven. So it's the absolute plum draw early on in the competition. Uh, Maxi, what's your starting? You've done starting 11 on the SC Playbook website for every team. What have you got for the Gades? Thanks, Timo. Um, As you said, they're looking like a really, really quality outfit um, this season. They were pretty good last year, and this year I think they're shaping to be even better. Um, Up top, there's going to be any combination of Sean Marsh, Quinton de Kock, and Joe Clark in that top three. At number four, the skipper, Aaron Finch, with all of that experience. It was a role he moved down to last season, um, and he was absolutely phenomenal. You really need a guy at number four who's got gears. They can either go big um, from ball one, um, or rebuild an innings if people have lost wickets early doors. And he really just showed all his class um, last year playing that role. Number five and six, Nick Maddinson typically would be the guy who's fitting into this role, but he hasn't played any cricket since um, injuring his ACL in last year's tournament. And there's been no word on his return. Um, so it could be mid-tournament, but so far this summer he hasn't played any cricket. So we've slotted in Jake Fraser-McGurk and John Wells uh, into number five and six for the Melbourne Renegades. At number seven, the revelation from last season and a thorn in my side for most of it as well was Will Sutherland. Andrew, I'm really keen to know later on if you actually owned this bloke at any point last year because he killed me. Um, but I think with with a real dearth of all-rounders in this Melbourne Renegade squad, he basically has to hold down at least the number seven, if not the number six. And then into the rest of the bowlers, uh, Tom Rogers um, been a revelation in the last two seasons of Supercoach. Um, if Matt Short has been the most improved player in those two two years, um, Tom Rogers has pushed him all the way in that race. Um, Adam Zampa moving across from the uh, Melbourne Stars. Majibul Rahman, the off-spinner from Afghanistan, fresh off um, another really strong World Cup. Uh, and Kane Richardson, Mr. Reliable, uh, leading wicket-taker at the club, I believe, uh, will be number 11. And waiting in the wings is Peter Siddle, um, if you don't mind. All that class that he's exhibited for the Adelaide Star- Adelaide Strikers for a number of years, he's coming along. We expect him to be a bit of a rotation player, but very, very, very hot squad. So, Andrew, with this, you know, seemingly probably a bit of a rotational risk with Siddle in there as the extra quick, is this going to impact your selections for the, the gauge, obviously with that, the, the two early doubles? Yeah, it, it's it's a risk. Um, I, I the Renegades side. I'm a Renegades fan, so I sort of watch the Renegades team a little bit closer than others. But um, there, there's a couple of things with their side. I, I'm not sure whether John O'Wells and Fraser McGurk both make the side. I reckon it could be one or the other. Yeah. Do you think they might look to play the extra quick in Siddle ahead of one of those two, or how how do you see it panning out? I think they. I think they could. I think they could. I, I really don't know. I think it depends on what role they're confident with Sutherland playing. I think he's a key, the key yeah. to this whole thing. He's bowling well this year, and they could decide that he's going to be the extra quick in the team, and they're going to go with the extra batting power. And that's that's the tough one for me, Sutherland. He's been in and out of my team so many times so far in the drafts because um, he could be all or end all, I reckon, <laughs> starting with him, and I'm not sure which way to go at the moment. So, Maxie, I can see you nodding there. If if Andrew's on the money there and let's say they play the extra quick, I know your initial team, you've sort of – I've seen you tinkering around with it. I chatted to you about the team today. And initially you did have the extra quick in and you've brought John O'Wells into the team and Fraser McGurk. Could Sutherland bat as high as six if they play the extra quick? Or is that being a bit too ambitious? It's really tough trying to judge a guy like Sutherland who – up until last year, has been in the conversation every single season as this could be his break breakout year. Last year, it finally happened, um, and he's the reason he's expensive wasn't because he was there bowling his four overs and taking lots of wickets. It's because he was fielding in hot spots, taking lots of catches, and mostly above everything else, it was because of his batting. He was regularly coming in at the end of innings, being elevated yeah. in front of people in that in that number six position to hit quick fire twenties, which he did. Even though it looked ugly, it was it was very effective. Um, he does have the skills and the capability to to hold down a number six spot. I just think though that 
to Andrew's point, he is bowling well this season. And I think that that's the difference this year. If you bat him at seven, you have to trust that you're getting four overs out of him because there isn't anyone else inside that top six who's going to roll the arm over, maybe with the exception of Aaron Finch at an absolute pinch. Um, so I think that's the thing for me. It's, it's going to be either him at six and Siddle's in the team and probably in front of McGurk or uh, or it's going to be him at seven, in which case you play McGurk and um, and Wells in, in the middle order or potentially even McGurk up front and then just drop everyone down a spot. But I, I personally don't see that happening just because I think Finch has to bat four. And we know they're going to play the two spinners every game, yeah. most likely. Two spinners will be a lock. I think Tom Rogers and Kane Richardson, maybe just on rotation, but like their their combination, their death bowling, it's just so crucial to this lineup that if they can fit Sutherland in, particularly just as like a middle overs quick, which I think is a role which he could do relatively safely without getting too much tap, then I think that he can hold down that number seven spot. I think that this is a year that his bowling can finally be trusted enough for four overs. Well, you look at his, his numbers from last season. He mentioned there, Max, he lots of uh, points in the field with the bat as well. 210 runs, an average of 30. He striked at 150. So he took seven wickets in his 44 overs for the tournament. So he can come in and almost like get close to replicating his batting heroics, take a few catches here and there, jag the odd run out. He's got to bump up his wicket tally, you'd think, if you know if he's bowling the over. So a pretty exciting prospect. The next one I want to speak about, and honestly, we, we could do a three-hour feature-length episode on the Renegades and start in season. There's so many. So we'll, we won't spend too, too long on them, but, gee, we, we could. We could. Um, Maxi on Kane Richardson, 143K to start the season, priced on a 46-point average. You put it really well in your guns analysis article that went up during the week. And he said, to quote, Kane's always done well in average teams. Now, with the supporting now with the supporting cast, which is world class, we could go even better. I couldn't agree anymore. I've always been a massive fan of his. The Renegades have struggled over the years. Despite that, he's got averages of 46 last year, 65 the year prior, 48 prior, 56, 74 back in BBL 8. They, got, they should, in theory, with his gun lineup, have more runs on the board, have better targets to defend, uh, I'll go to you first, Andrew. I think Kane Richardson is a great early play. Uh, yeah, I, I very much want Kane Richardson in my side. I think he, and I think early is better. I, I'm really worried about Richardson getting the rest. I, I'm not sure he's played yeah. every game of the season ever. Um, so I think if you're going to get him, get him, get him early. They've got all those games, and just hope he holds on for those first couple of rounds, and and then get him out for someone else then. But he's, he's a death bowler that takes wickets, um, particularly in that first innings when they're bowling. So get him if you can. Jeez, he's good. Uh, Maxi, your team reveal will be going up on the site in coming days. You got Richo in there at the moment? Uh, I do. And I think the thing for me is, you know, I'm a bit of a numbers man when it comes to cricket. Um, if there's one stat that jumps out in BBL Supercoach more than any other, it's that the good team score more points. And with the Renegades getting better, you can expect him to... Um, do better than his what forty eight average last mm. year. Um, I'd expect it to be minimum fifty five this year, if not up into the sixties. Um, they're going to be scoring more runs. He's going to have more to defend, um, or he's going to have um, be bowling at worse batters because his teammates around him will have gotten rid of the good ones. So I think it's all signs pointing to a to a hell of a summer for Kane, and um, he's been one of the first picked in my team. I um the la- the last few seasons of Supercoach watching it early in the season there's a lot more bowling points seem to get awarded than batting points. So bowlers seem to have the advantage early in the season on the pitches. So I think taking a risk on someone like Richardson's, yeah, a no-brainer in a lot of ways. Mm. Uh, a bloke that may, again, uh, probably like Richardson, be at some sort of risk with this rotation with with Siddle in the squad is, as you mentioned, Maxi last year's revelation, Tommy Rogers. $184,000, 59-point average last season. He took 23 wickets. He's got some late order hitting him in as well. I don't think we've seen the best of Tommy Rogers with the bat, and I don't mean the uh, the Melbourne Storm, Melbourne Storm, Melbourne Stars version of Tom Rogers. Um, for me, for me, Andrew, too expensive. I think he's priced at his peak. I see the temptation there with him for the double, but with the rotation risk at the price, five teams playing two-plus games in the first round, he won't be in my team. Could you make a case for him? Um, I'll tell you where I'll make a case. Is he a bigger risk than Quinton Ducott? He's the same price. 
and no one's mentioning him and everyone's mentioning QDK. And mm. I, I don't know. I reckon I'd be tempted to run with Rogers over over him. Food for thought. He's not in my team. I'll, I'll declare that. But I'd, I'd love him in my team. I love it. This is the kind of cheek that wins you back-to-back uh, Supercoach titles, yeah. Andrew. Um, look, p- personally, I, I think that m- my rationale, particularly in round one, is always trying to not only make sure that I find guys who are going to score well, but make sure I'm going to find guys that won't lose money or that can't lose money, uh, or at least that I can mitigate that risk as much as possible. So when I think about him and when I think particularly as well about Will Sutherland, another guy we'll probably talk about soon, um, I just think that they're at their peak, whereas I think Kane's unders at the moment, as is another guy on this side, Adam Zampa, who uh, I'm very keen on. So for me, I would definitely go for Kane um, over over Tom Rogers, much as well like I'll go for Joe Clark over QDK. Andrew, the spinning star duo, Adam Zampa, Mujib Uraman, 131K, 126K, both coming off World Cup campaigns, both very cheap. I see them as pretty similar prospects in their world-class talent. We know they've got wickets in them. They've both generally got pretty good economies. They're cheap. Do you have a preference? Do you have both of them? What are you looking at? Uh, I've got Zampa in my team. Um, I've looked at Mujib, and I just it feels too much having both spinners in my team from yeah. the Renegades. Uh, and I feel like I've got to make an either-or call. But given that Renegades draw, I may do something silly and run with both of them yet. So, But at the moment, it's Zampa. Uh, Maxi, who do you prefer? Mate, same energy from me. Um, I, I remember that year where we all bought Majib for round one when he was $206,000. I think it was two years ago. I think he was my captain as well for round one, um, and he did nothing. Um, he's a fantastic bowler, but he's he's an Ashton Agar defensive bowler. Um, Adam Zampa, no matter when he's bowling in the game, just seems to take wickets. Um, so I think, and again, 136K, he's a little bit unders. Um, he's probably not going to be a guy who gets to you know, 180, 200, but I think there's value there. And in his form, um, I, I would imagine he'd be one of the leading wicket takers this tournament. So it's Zampa for me. Boys, Quinton de Kock, the big talking point of the preseason, coming off the back of a spectacular World Cup campaign. He scored four tonnes. He averaged nearly 60 points, uh, sorry, 60 points, 60 runs in the World Cup. He'll be pretty highly owned. He's 180K, though. The handicappers have not missed him. I suppose, actually, the first question, will he keep over Joe Clark? So the word out of the Renegades camp was that he will take the gloves and that Clark will pick them up when de Kock leaves just ahead of finals. Mm-hmm. So very much to start with, I don't want get, Quinny getting too many miles in the legs. Um, he'll be behind the sticks where we know he could be due a few extra fielding points, which is which is good for his prospects. Maxi, I look at a superstar like Decock coming over and it just takes me back to so many of these star international batsmen who it takes them time to find their feet in the big bash and in Aussie conditions. I think of Darwin Milan. He came over for the Hurricanes, I believe it was. He's the number one bat in the world. Could hardly hit it off the square. AB De Villiers was better he had some decent scores, but still didn't set the world alight. Uh, it's a no on me for DeCock. It's a reluctant one with the double, but at 180K as a batsman, the wicket-keeping duties, that does help. We, you know, I spoke to Andrew in the Q&A about his preference for wicket-keeping bats. Uh, what, what's your take, Maxi? I'm very much of the same school of thought. I guess the only thing different that you've got to assess here is that given the draw, any gauge that you've got in your side, you're going to keep for at least three rounds, which means five games. Mm-hmm. And you've got to think that if he's here for round one and he's not going off in game one, he, he might get it together. Now, I think that one thing you've got to keep in mind with those scores that he had in the Indian World Cup is that he's played a lot of cricket in India. Every single time there's an IPL, he's over there, he's scoring well, he's one of the best players in the world in those conditions. How does he go in Australian conditions? We just don't know. There's a much smaller sample size. And you're right, it could take him a little while to get get it. But if you buy him for round one, you're not going to sell him in round two. You're going to hold him until at least the end of round three. So he might warm into it. And by that same token, he could be a guy that if he gets two big scores in round one, he could be unaffordable by round three when we want him for the next Renegades double. So personally, he's not in my plans, but I am really nervous about it. 
he's capable of making or breaking the Supercoach season from round one, isn't he? Especially with the short nine-round season, he could change this game early on. Andrew is in your team at the moment. No. Um, and I was just thinking back to last year when Jai Richardson, there was injury doubt over him and he had a double early on. and So i not not touching him. I think he scored 270. <laughs> <laughs> But it didn't cost me in the end, so it was all good. Yeah. Um, I feel a bit the same with, with Quinton. Um, the other thing that scares me, 180K, he's facing the attacks from the Sixers and the Scorchers in those first two games as well. Yeah. Um, they won't be easy. So I I would rather take a pun on a Clark at a bit less. Um, he's played here the last few years. He knows the conditions. He seems to go okay. Um, I think I would do that early, and if Quinton goes off well, then look to try and get him in round two or three. Maxi, I was just going to say, isn't it rich just hearing the guy who's won it two years back to back complaining about decisions that he's gotten wrong? Oh. Like we're sitting here going like, oh gosh, you know what could have been, and like literally, mate, you, you've done enough, Andrew. Give us a chance, mate. Imagine if he puts it together this season. <laughs> But, but I think that's the great thing about Supercoach. There's heaps of rounds where I've missed a massive score and it doesn't, you know, it's so much happens in a year. There's so many good players, there's so many good scores. And I think sometimes we get really upset when we miss one or something goes wrong. And I think it's just move on, keep going, yeah. you know, the luck will turn. Um, the last one I'll touch on here, boys, before we move on is Joe Clark. And you mentioned him there, Andrew, that he may or may not be in your side, but absolutely seeing them like beach balls over in England at the moment. Not too many beach balls around there, but if there was, he'd be seeing them. His last four scores in county cricket, 70, 22, 62, and 141 not out. That's like long-form cricket for anyone who's unaware. Uh, in the T20 Vitality Blast this season, 432 runs at an average of 30.85, strike rate of 154.83. As you said, Andrew, the big difference here between Joe Clark and, and Quinton DeCock. Who's the better cricketer? It's Quinton DeCock. Joe Clark has been playing these conditions for years. He knows them. He's got runs. He's got big scores. Is he in your team at the moment, Andrew? Um, he's a 50-50. I've, I'm, I've got him split with Harper from the Stars. Mm-hmm. If Harper opens, Harper's in my team. And only because of the round two bye um, and giving me more flexibility in round two, but otherwise, and Harper, you know, the Stars play first, so I can make that decision. There's not much price difference between them. Um, and that, that's, that'll be my decision. So as we speak, I don't know. It'll depend on that, that um, Stars lineup first game. Boys, uh, we will move on. I'll touch on three players quickly, though, and I think that I'll potentially take the words out of your mouth, shouldn't jump the gun, but very role-dependent. Aaron Finch, 125K, unless he comes into that top three, I can't sort of make a case to be getting him in. The cheapies in Jake Fraser-McGurk and Peter Siddle, 62K, 75K. Again, role dependent. Fraser-McGurk, it's hard to see him batting high enough up the order. Maybe if he can slot in at five and you don't really play him in your 11. Siddle, if he starts round one, uh, you could make a case for him. But again, there's the rotation risk. But like Sid's topped the wicket tally with 30 wickets, two BBLs back in BBL 11. So... Uh, if he is there in round one, game one of round one, you can make a serious case for that bloke uh, as well. Now, guys, Paddy and George Morgan's choice, SCW. They're back on deck for the upcoming summer of cricket. Can help you with a number of things from wedding finance to debt consolidation. But one of the biggest services is education, especially when it comes to first home buyers looking to get into the housing market. The boys have let me know that with the new financial year well and truly in play, the government's released a ton of new incentives to make it a lot easier for first home buyers to actually buy into their first place. So if you want to know more about these and how much you can borrow in general, go and speak to them. Usually they'd sting you $129, but the best thing is if you mention SC Playbook, it's completely free of charge. No matter where in Australia you are, give them a buzz. So if you're sitting there right now, you are thinking about getting into the market down the track, you've got no idea what that might entail, take that step, make it a reality. Flick them a message on Instagram at Pat and George underscore SCW. Or you can buzz them on 02-9521-1611. off. You're mad if you don't. Boys, moving on to our next preview, and that is the Hobart Hurricanes. Now, we won't spend as long on them, uh, namely because their Supercoach draw isn't terrific. They don't have a double game week until round seven. They don't have any buys. 
that being said, there's some cheapies available here. Uh, available here. There's money to be made. There are players that we don't necessarily need to play in our 11s each week, despite not being on the double. Maxi, can you run us through your starting 11 for the Canes, please? Absolutely. Look, the departure of Darcy Short's the big off-season move, but it's, an, it's unlocked one of the most powerful top threes in the competition in Caleb Jewell, Ben McDermott, who's a borderline cheapy this season, and Matt Wade as well, the former skipper at number three. Uh, at number four in round one, I've got Mac Wright. Could be Sam Heaslett uh, coming down from the Brisbane uh, Heat, um, albeit that spot will be held down by Sam Hain, the Englishman, who played a few games for the Heat last year as well. Um, and I think that I know that the Canes are really excited about what he's going to bring uh, to number four for them this season. Their middle order, again, plenty of power. And Tim David at number five, who this season without Darcy Short becomes the sixth bowler as well and could roll the arm over for his dodgy off spinners a little bit more than usual. Uh, and Corey Anderson as well, the uh, now American former Kiwi all-rounder. Um, who in his day with his left arm pace and power hitting was was a revelation before back injuries really turned him into a batter only. I have seen that he is bowling a little bit, but he's really in there for his power hitting at six and his sort of death batting, if you will. Number seven, Englishman Chris Jordan, his fifth BBL club. He comes in, he'll bowl death and has had some really interesting batting form uh, in other tournaments so far this year. And then at number eight, Nathan Ellis, Paddy Dooley as well in his second season for the Canes. Geez, he was fantastic last year. New recruit Peter Hatzoglou at his third club. He's back from the Perth Scorchers, back playing down at Hobart where he made his BBL debut a couple of seasons ago. And at number 11, Riley Meredith. So the bench, the guys who uh, haven't got in the team at the moment, all-rounder Mitch Owen, Hayne, as I mentioned, big Billy Stanlake, who's finally fit, Ian Carlisle, a fast bowler, um, Heaslett, Liam Guthrie, the left arm quick down from uh, the, the Hope, sorry, the Brisbane Heat, and the Kill Chowdhury, who's a Queensland grade cricketer, 42K DPP, and looks like one of the best loop options for this season as well. That's the Hobart Hurricanes. Real Looper Connolly vibes about Chowdhury, isn't there? He'll play a role for the uh, Stallions at some point this season. Um, boys, let's start at the obvious one here. Benny McDermott, 28-point average last season. I think he started last year. What was Some ridiculous price, 240K or something. It might have been higher off the back of that BBL where he topped the run scoring chart, just went ballistic, but... Uh, so yeah, here we go. BBL 11, 577 runs. He averaged 48, strike rate 153.86, average 73 points. Last season, 196 runs, average 16. 88K to start the season. How do we see him? Obviously, no double to round seven, but Andrew, a bloke that for the price, you don't start him in your 11. You can't go too far wrong, can you? Um, He's a really tough one. I'm... Mm. I haven't got him in my team and I'm worried about not having him in my team because he is such value. So depending how round one unfolds, I'm leaving room that I could do a little switch to bring him in onto the bench um, if things go my way because I play loops all the time. That's just how I do things. So if things go my way, he'll find his way in the team. But he's actually going to cost me, by starting him, he's going to cost me a couple of scoring involvements over the year. So... Um, you know, you know, I like to try and maximise my scoring involvement, so I'm, um, mm. I'm sort of not taking from that point of view. But what he get gains in price, he could be well, well worth more than that. So that's what I'm weighing up. Yeah, when you say you're nervously leaving him out of your team, does it make you feel any better knowing that he just blasted 143 off 112 in the Marsh Cup? Yeah, yeah I saw that. <laughs> <laughs> That's one of the things. <laughs> Three scores prior to that, 86, 25, 52. Maxie, seeing them well, have you got him at the moment? I don't, but again, um, he very well could come into consideration for round one. I think my approach to the wicketkeeper position um, was is going to be really sort of founded on how screwed I got there last season um, between owning him, Philippi, um, I think even Clark at, at periods for last season when he had a, sort of a few down games. I, I really think it's the most volatile position in the whole game. Um, in your bowler slots, you know that you can put guys there who bowl. They get economy bonuses, wickets. The, the, the floor is pretty high. In your batter slots, you can find all-rounders there, so you can generally get some kind of consistency. In your wicketkeeper spots, you've got to take a punt. And why not take a punt on someone who's got pedigree and who's a low price? Now, I think the thing in the wicketkeeper position is there are so many options this year between 
Philippi, even Sam Whiteman um, to go along with um, Ben McDermott. So he could find his way in there. At the moment, I've gone a little bit cheaper, but it's going to be one of those things, again, I'm tinkering with until the last second. Maxi, Chris Jordan is a bloke that you've had a very close eye on for many years, particularly being a, a big Sixers fan. Never quite put it together in the BBL, has he? He starts this year very cheap, 107K. He averaged 34 points last season, only from the four games. Uh, five games in BBL 11, he averaged 28.8 supercoach points. BBL 9, 13 games for 52-point average, much healthier. Is Jordan a bloke that you'd look to put in early on? Because he's cheap, he can take wickets. Even if you don't play him in your 11 again, particularly maybe round one or two with so many double game weeks, a pr- like there's a lot of cash generation potential there. What's your thoughts? I think I'm prepared to let him go from from round one, but I want to make sure that I've got the options to bring him in um, You know, potentially as early as round three if he's looking like he's going to be making some serious cash. Kind of like him last season to um, the Pakistani leg spinner, Andrew, that I knew that you started with, whose name's just escaped me, who was playing for the Hobart Hurricanes. I'm going to... Uh, Shadab Khan. That's it, Shadab. <laughs> good luck. Yeah. He did get injured. But I think the lesson with Shadab is that he started the season and I think it was $125,000. He got named in that round one team to bat number four to go along with bowling his four overs. And it became mm. apparent very quickly that this guy was going to make some serious cash. And, and besides just making serious cash, just be a guy that you can play in single game weeks and score really well. We don't have to worry about single game weeks this year. I think there's only one where there's no doubles. But realistically, at a guy who is less than $110,000 in Jordan, if he looks like he's capable of a 55 to 65 average regularly, then he can be a guy that is a way that you can make money um, just by having him in your team and and getting him in at a good price. So I I don't want to start with him. Um, But I think realistically... He is what he is from a bowling perspective. He's had the death bowling role in a good team for a while. So I don't see that he's going to necessarily improve there. It's his batting, which is probably going to be, if he makes a difference in his average, where he can do it. Because he's never batted as high as seven um, in the BBL. And if he's doing it this year and doing it well, then he can easily get up to that sort of gun 60 plus average. Andrew, can you make a case for him despite the no early double? No. I can't really make a case for any Hobart players. Um, I think tough. there's players with similar, similar roles playing for other teams, and I'm keeping my focus trying to pick the eyes out of that. I mean, you look at someone like a Tim David, I'd love it to have him in my team. <laughs> um, even though he probably bats a bit low, but, you know, he's capable of anything, that guy. But just can't. I can't justify a Hobart player at this stage. But I started last year. Well, we just said shut up calm before. Same reason I didn't like the Hobart draw. I didn't pick any. And as soon as I saw he was batting in the top four and bowling four overs, I bought him in the next round. <laughs> I thought, well, bugger that. He's worth the extra, you know, he's worth losing a couple of scores over because he's got the role. Yeah, you swallow the pride and you get the gun. Uh, Maxie, anyone in this side that you can make a case for? Uh, not really. Again, I'd be interested in Corey Anderson if he looks like he's going to have any sort of consistent bowling role. Um, but no, more so just a, a question for you, Andrew. Uh, I know that um, the power surge has, has been a, a bit of a revelation in the BBL. Um, hasn't sort of caught on yet at an international level, but um, I love it. I think it's been really interesting for the game. From a super coach perspective, when I've been looking back at some of the best scorers from last season, guys like Tim David, even Jordan Silk kind of really stand out to me as overachieving for these middle order roles that don't traditionally have any appeal um, for me from a super coach perspective. Do you think that we need to be reassessing the value of a number five from a super coach perspective based on what the surge has brought to the game? Um, not for me. I just it feels a bit a bit low. Uh, David's a bit of a different example because he seems to get overs regularly as well. He's not just batting, so you've got the two aspects of his game. I don't mind a five or a six as long as they're getting regular overs. It just feels. I know I did some stats watching. Um, Watching, um, watching the game over the last few years, and I actually did what the super coach average was for batsmen for positions one down to eleven, and there's a huge drop away from sort of there's a top three, then there's a drop to four, and then quite a big drop down to five, and it just gets more and more significant as you drop down. 
Um, so the opportunity is not there. But often your fives and sixes are your all-rounders. So, yes, that's dropping away. But if they're getting a couple of wickets, they're, they're doing better than a, bat, a number four who's a bat only. Boys, we'll wrap that up for the Hurricanes there and we will move on to what I think is going to be a very – it's already a fun little segment, but this will be a particularly good one with the uh, the dual champion, Maxi Bride, an expert's voice. I'll hand the reins over to you. Thanks, Timmy. So this is a segment where we wanted to get some grabs from our experts, um, ask them the big questions and really try and pick – what they're thinking as we head into this season. So, Andrew, I'm going to ask you a bunch of questions. I did give you these in advance, but we wanted to get some short, sharp answers from you uh, on all these aspects of the game. So, firstly, who do you think is going to score the most points this BBL season? Uh, Maxi. Um, you know, he's in his form's just awesome after that World Cup innings. Um, I, I just I just think he's going to come here and take the BBL by storm and maybe you'll get another one of those 168s and and we know he's going to bowl. He's going to get wickets and um, he just seems to be there every time the game's on the line. So, Who do you think is your cheapy of the year nomination? If he gets a go early, I'm going with Cooper Connolly. If he can, if they can, if you can get a bat in that, in that middle order over at Perth and get Overs. Um, he bowled the other day, I think, 10 overs in the one-day cup and only got hit for about two boundaries. Um, if he can keep that form up and get four overs and bat five or six in the Scorchers lineup, I think he he could come on in leaps and bounds. Could even be opening as well, given what he did in yeah. that game. So huge watch on that. Uh, who was your round one pod? As we speak, my round one pod... In my team at the moment is Harper. And he will stay in my team if he looks like opening. If he doesn't, then Richardson, Kane Richardson will be my biggest pod in my team. Who are your top three must-haves? I found this one really hard. Um, Maxwell is definitely my must-have. I think he's going to be the biggest scorer. He's, what, 118000 I think our average price of a player in our team is 125000 so he's not even at average price. Um, I think he's – they've got three doubles in the first five rounds. He's a no-brainer. After that, I think it could be anyone, but I think it might be someone – they might be a couple of people from the Renegades and Stars. I just don't know who they are. Zampa, I think, is really good value for his price. Um, Sutherland worries me. Subtle and costs a lot, and a lot of people are going to be put off him. But if he pulls it off again and repeats what he did last year, um, he'd be huge. Absolutely. Just on that, on Sutherland, so the cue that you're looking for to bring him in will be being named at seven, which would lock in his four overs. Yeah, I think so. I think if, if he can get a bowl, he needs to be playing both, both getting a bat and a bowl. So that's what I'm hoping. Very interesting. All right. Who do you think will be the most improved player this season? I've got a couple. I mean, apart from Conley, who I said earlier, because they're once again cheapies. I think if Fraser McGurk can get a regular gig in that middle order at the Renegades, I think he could really prove himself. And the other one I've got on watch is Jack Edwards at sixes. Um, I'm not sure of his role, but if he's batting high up the up the order and he gets a few overs here and there, um, you know, sky's the limit for him. So probably a toss-up there between those guys. Which club do you think, which two clubs will make the big final? I'm a Renegades man, so Renegades are there. But I'm also an Essendon man in the footy and I've been picking them for the last 23 years. (laughs) (laughs) And I I reckon Scorchers are the pick of the rest for me. Fair enough too, based on their track record. And your final question, what's the biggest learning from last year for this season? The biggest learning I've got is playing the schedule. I think a lot of people dismiss it, but I think it's pretty important. And I just want to use an example from the IPL this year, which I was lucky enough to win. Rashid Khan was the highest owned player in the IPL. He was the top half dozen every round. I think about 50% ownership the entire season. His team, the Titans, where I have it, so there were 14 rounds in the season. His his team had a, a bye, I think, in round six, and they're only double for the year in round 10. So he had a shocking schedule. So I 
didn't put him in my team. He started off, he got a couple of scores in the 80s and 90s and then the 70s and he got through to his buy and I bought him in for his double in round 10. Kept him the following round and then got him out of my team. So I've had him in two out of 14 rounds. He was the highest averaging, he was the highest scoring player in the whole competition. He was in 50% of teams for the whole year and yet I still won the competition. So to me, it just highlighted if you can play the schedule, you don't have to have the best players in your team. I hear it a lot. People say, oh, you've got to pick so-and-so and just he's a set and forget. You know, pick Tom Curran, he's set and forget. <laughs> you just keep him the whole year. But you don't want these expensive players the whole year. You want you want to get them through your team so you've got the expensive players playing two games each week and you're better off having a cheaper player on a single game, in my mind. I know that's hard for people to get their heads around sometimes and not everyone agrees, but... That, that's the way I play the game. Awesome. Well, thank you very much, Andrew. That's been the expert's voice. Love it from you, Maxie. And a question for you, Max Bryden. How excited did you get when he mentioned that Jack Edwards, one of the biggest improvers of the season? <laughs> oh, man, I almost f- fell off my chair. Um, no, <laughs> I'm, I'm a voice. huge Jack Edwards fan as well. And I think I, I'm probably going to have uh, a similar <laughs> answer to that question. Um, Look, you know, a good Jack Edwards is a, is a good Sydney Sixers team and a good Sydney Sixers team is good for the economy, it's good for the country and, and it's good for world <laughs> cricket, so bring it on. It's good for the SC Playbook faithful. Uh, guys, if you are coming off the back of the spring racing car, it's just finished up and you've had a bit of a tough time on the punt, you got to the Melbourne Cup and you thought, I'm going to throw a bit of a Hail Mary here. And you threw about 15 different punts on the Melbourne Cup. I know I did and I don't think one of them hit the dartboard. They all went shit. Uh, well, guys, it might be a bit of a signal that you're struggling with your punny a bit, you're struggling with your gambling. Uh, and while gambling can be the thing that might be a little bit hard to admit, there is help available uh, in the form of Gareth Wyatt and his team at Sequel. Absolutely wonderful people. They jumped on board with us during the NRL season. We were able to pu- um, push them out because we do chat about punting a little bit on this podcast. Um, but it is also important to let people know that there is help out there. No matter where you are in Australia or the world that you are, um, Gareth, let me know that you can get in contact with them. You can give them a call. You can send them an email. You can do whatever you want. Uh, the other thing that he reiterated to me over at Coffee was saying that the listeners from the SC podcast who did get in touch with Sequel and did try and get on top of their, their troubles with gambling was that they listened and listened and listened for months. And then they finally made the call. And every time they went and they spoke to Gareth, they said they wish they'd done it earlier. So if you are in that position, make the call. It could change your life. You can give them a buzz on 02-9559-4013. You can message them directly on Insta- Instagram at Seacal Gambling. That's C-E-C-A-L Gambling. Or email them at gareth.w at seacal.org.au. Completely free and completely confidential. Now, boys, let's jump into a couple of listener questions before we sign off for the episode. First one from Simon Massey for you, Andrew. Noted that bowling fielding accounts for 60% of total points. Do you intend to spend more money for round one on bowlers, bowling all-rounders than batting and batting all-rounders? Will you have any bat-only players in your starting side? Bit of a loaded question, mate, but hopefully hit the spot. Before the Prime Minister's 11 side was announced today, I didn't have any bad only players in my in my 11. I now have Munro, Colin Munro, assuming he blows the first game. Um, I just feel he's he's got form here in Australia before he can get a big score. He's getting three innings to try and get a big score. I'll take a pump, but he's the only one apart from... Um, maybe a McGurk or Darcy Short on the bench. Question, Maxi from one of the greats. Large peers, what role do we think Marcus Stoinis plays for the Stars? Will he bowl? Is he a must-have or a fade at 35.5% percent ownership? It's a really weird one. And I, the, the real answer is we have no idea. Um, Stoinis played almost every role um, last year. He opened, he batted down at number five. Um, and I don't think we're going to know what's happening until probably the practice matches this year. Um, if I had to take a punt based on the way that their squad is set up, I think that he'll bat either number three or number four um, in the middle order. And I think that they'll leave the opening spot to probably Tom Rogers and Sam Harper, just based on purely um, the skill sets of the, their squad um, and the lack of depth in their squad for those players to do anything else. 
Um, but can you fade him? Absolutely you can. I think the brilliant thing about the Stars um, squad, uh, sorry, the Stars, Stars draw, is that after the double game week, they've got the bye. Um, and you've got that chance to bring him in in round three um, if he looks like he's got the hot roll and he's bowling death um, or bowling at all, um, which is something that's just a real possibility, particularly with Steckity out for game one. Now, on the converse to that, is the fact that the Melbourne Stars team in Game 1 are taking on the Brisbane Heat, who look absolutely decimated by this Governor-General's team. So um, he could be playing a bunch of par cricketers and score 200. So that's the risk that you could be taking. Um, As it stands, he's probably my loop option um, for Round 1 as a guy off the bench that I can use. So... um, it's it's something someone you can fade. He's certainly not a must-have, um, but he's a guy who's scary not to own for sure. Andrew, last question for this episode. We will get to a few more questions leading into the season. Just run a bit short on time tonight, but one from Kyle Lomas. He says, hey, lads, really interested in Jack Wood. What do we think his role is for the Heat this season? That's a really good question. I, I, I find Heat questions really hard to answer because they've got four players playing in that Prime Minister's eleven. All four players are probably going to come back before the end of round one. And I imagine even if Wood makes the Brisbane side, I can't see him staying in it. Um, the way it looks at the moment, if they weren't staying in the side, you know, it sounds like he's every chance he could bat quite high up the order and, and, and get a real go at it and he'd look like value. But um, just the unknown about their team makes makes a big question mark for me. Maxi, you look like you're nodding in agreement there. Yeah, I think the thing with Wood is there's a real best case, worst case scenario here. Um, best case, he takes Josh Brown's spot um, and opens the batting almost all season, potentially until Usman comes back. Um, and he's the sixth bowler with his left arm wrist spin, which is not too bad. Um, that's absolute best case. Worst case is that he's a club cricketer who's achieved well at that level and he's going to come here and get absolutely blown out of the water. Um, will he get an opportunity to play in, in, in game one? Yes, absolutely. Will he be there in the third game of that first round? Um, there's no guarantees at all. So um, he's certainly one to watch and a player of promise. But at the end of the day, um, he hasn't done it at this level yet. So there's always going to be that risk there um, for the price with guys who are predominantly relying on their bat to score them points. Now, boys, we will wrap that up for the third episode of the preseason. If you are listening along, you thought that was half all right, um, jump on. Follow us on our socials at SC Playbook Cricket, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and TikTok. Maxi, thank you very much, mate. Big as always. And good to have our first podcast together this season. Man, pleasure as always. You know I love talking cricket. I'll do it at any time. Um, really enjoying the contributors' chat as well so far on WhatsApp and some messages coming through from people as they build their team. So keep them coming. Getting really excited for this season. Yeah, you can jump on the SC Playbook website, subscribe to our full or our cricket package, whatever you want. Get your access to that WhatsApp chat. Absolutely popping off our exclusive articles and the rest. Uh, Andrew, mate, your insights, invaluable as always. Thank you very much. Uh, thanks for having me. And I'm excited tonight to open up the Supercat Coach app and see we're under 14 days to go. So we're really in the home stretch now. That's it for the SC Playbook podcast for our third of the preseason. Plenty more incoming later on.